This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 747, December 6, 2021. It was 63 degrees on this day in 1939. And that's all she wrote for the 60s. Oh. Well, we're done with the 60s for, uh, for the year. 63 was the record in 1939, and I can find no more 60s. 19 below in 1972. Mm, and then we got to play this. <laughs> it's like watching Detroit play Detroit. <laughs> and now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Fact-based. I kept wondering why bail was even offered for Daryl Brooks. At five million, it turns out in Wisconsin, uh, you can't not have bail. You have really? to have bail. Oh, yeah. no. yeah. oh, I didn't know that. Waukesha District Attorney Susan L. Opper said that bail should be set so high against Daryl Brooks, the suspect, that he that he won't be able to get out of jail. We don't have held without bail in Wisconsin, but we will expect to be asking for high cash bail, significant cash bail, so that for all intents and purposes, they don't have the ability to post it because it's so much money. Opper told Fox News uh, last week. Is that the maximum allowance? Do you know? Uh, that, let's, let's not, puzzle, let's oh, not okay. confuse the waters Sorry. here. Sorry. I suppose they could set it at $10 million. I don't know. Okay. I don't. But they have to have bail. They have to. Yeah. Yes. And also, uh, many emailers, uh, including uh, the GL geologist, wanted to say... Uh, well, you called it, Joe, at about 8.30 a.m. from Crime Watch, Minneapolis. I think it was yesterday. Attempted carjacking. Suspects forced the female out of her car, but they couldn't drive a stick shift. Yeah, I, <laughs> I heard about this. Two male suspects uh, arrived and left in a black Nissan sedan plate similar to JSX 99. It was on the 1300 block of West Broadway. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there's not a carjacker out there that knows how to drive a manual transmission. So 8.30 in the morning, huh? They are probably just leaving church. Yeah, probably. Went to early mass. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Needed a ride home. Yeah. Uh, Didn't okay. even stay for coffee and donuts. I had a number of people last week send me fascinating uh, a video and audio of a world-renowned designer of car ferries and car ferry ramps. And remember the Red Adair who, who was, was famous for capping oil well fires? Right, sure. Yeah. This guy yeah. sounds like he's the Red Adair of car ferries around so. the world. Around the world. He's, he can solve things. And, and he, he, for some reason, somebody apparently asked him about uh, what he thinks of uh, global warming. Hmm. And you'd like that. Yeah. Hi, I'm Stuart Ballantyne of the MTG. I've been designing car ferries for 45 years 
And the most important item is the shore ramp tangent point above the mean sea level. With all the noise about rising sea levels, I decided to check some of the mean sea levels of the 47 countries that I have my ferry designs running in. I checked Mulapanui in Samoa, Nabualo, Fiji, Nassau in the Bahamas, Trinidad, Scotland, and here in Brisbane, Australia. Some sea levels were up marginally, some were down marginally, averaging slightly higher by a few millimeters, but almost imperceptible. Was that very small rise from melting glaciers? I don't think so. It was probably from the billions of cubic meters of ocean reclamation. Check for yourself. Governments love to create waterfront land and get extra revenue from it. Is the planet warming? After 45 years of flights through Singapore, where they say welcome to Singapore, where the temperature is 29 or 30 degrees, I don't think this planet is warming. Do I believe in climate change? Sure I do. This is only about temperature change. And if you sit out in your garden for 24 hours with a thermometer in one hand and a beer in the other, you can see for yourself that the temperature changes every hour. The capital of climate change is Melbourne, Australia. A friend of mine was a ship's captain who had a pet cat. This cat would do a forward somersault if it was going to be a nice day or a back somersault if it was going to be a rainy day. After three days in Melbourne, the cat died of exhaustion. <laughs> so, Al Gore, please put a sock in it. And some advice for you, Greta. As the Swedes don't seem to be up to it, get yourself a big hairy Norwegian boyfriend and spend the weekend in a mountain cabin with him. Then we might be lucky enough to see a smile on your face and an end to the negative crap and blah, blah, blah that you keep belching out. His name is Stuart Ballantyne. That's I looked funny. him up. He's a PhD. He's a... He's a, a big shot in the world of designing the ramps that put a car on and off a ferry. Well, that's a pretty good guy to talk to yeah. about what you think of rising sea levels. Hogwash. Hogwash. <laughs> Puppycock. Our old friend Carrie Clatt, Carrie Moran. Yeah. That's yeah, a great sure. point. Yep. Guys, one of my favorite movies this time of year is White Christmas. It debuted in 1954. Do you recall the premise? Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, yep. Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen arrive in Vermont to perform a Christmas show. But when they arrive, there's no snow. They learn that it hasn't snowed since Thanksgiving and the temperature has been in the 60s. In 1954, you could base an entire movie on the lack of snow and cold in December without any mention of climate change, global warming, the world ending, etc. The characters all know it's going to snow again, and guess what? At the end of the movie, it snows. Just a simple observation. Merry Christmas to all of you, Carrie. Isn't that a great point? Yes. There was no mm -hmm. hysteria. The last 60 of the year was today, but it was 1939. Mm -hmm. And I've been dismissive of myself bringing you these daily temperature records. I no longer am. They're very, I think they're very comforting to realize that not much has changed. Just not much has changed. Now, we have another guy that uh, Kenny came across this. This is uh, Brian Stelter of CNN. He has a show called Reliable Sources. He's interviewing John Coleman, the founder of the Weather Channel, and this was as recently as just last Friday, December 3rd. Mm -hmm. Yes? Kenny? What? Oh, I thought you were trying to get his attention. Oh, you know what? Kenny, I've sorry. got something uh, on this discussion, but I want to hear this guy first, then we'll get to... Uh, what I have, which just backs up what you've been saying here. Uh, this comes from a source. I don't know if she wants to be 
uh, recognized or not, but it, it comes from a GLer. Well, not, but it's real. Me. We yeah, have yeah. the we have yeah, the video real. and the audio from the CNN show called Reliable Sources. Uh, uh, Brian uh, Stelter used to be a media uh, correspondent for the New York Times, and and uh, he's found a perfect fit apparently with with CNN. So here he is <laughs> talking to uh, John Coleman, the founder of the Weather Channel. Higher. That is a, a word meant to put me down. I'm a skeptic about climate change, and I want to make it darn clear, Mr. Kenny's not a scientist. I am. He's the CEO of the Weather Channel now. I was the founder of the Weather Channel, not the co-founder. And I'm glad you did, because I am addicted to the Weather Channel. I watch a lot I'm of cable news. Now. Hold on just well, a minute. I'm not done. And <laughs> CNN has taken a very strong position on global warming that is that it is a consensus. Well, there is no consensus in science. Science isn't a vote. Science is about facts. And if you get down to the hard, cold facts, uh, there's no question about it. Climate change is not happening. There is no significant man-made global warming now. There hasn't been any in the past, and there's no reason to expect any in the future. There's a whole lot of baloney. And yes, it is. it has become a big political point of the Democratic Party and part of their platform, and I regret it's become political instead of scientific, but the science is on my side. I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion about the topic right here. What I do wonder, <laughs> well, I know though, is when not, you see... Because you the... wouldn't allow it to happen on CNN, <laughs> but I'm happy wow. that I got on the air and got a chance to talk to your, uh, to your viewers. Hello, everybody. What there I do... is no global warming. What I do wonder is when you see the government, when you see NASA, when you see other institutions say that 97% of climate scientists agree... Do you think they're making it up? I, I, what I don't understand is how you well, square that. Well, that's a manipulated that. figure, and let me explain it to you. Uh, this, the uh, government puts out about $2.5 billion directly for climate research every year. It only gives that money to scientists who will produce scientific results that support the global warming hypothesis of the Democrat Party position. <laughs> so they don't have any choice. If you're going to get the money, you've got to support their position. Therefore, 97% of the scientific reports published support global warming. Why? Because those are the ones the government pays for, and that's where the money is. It's real simple. But that doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't make it true. That only makes it bought and paid for. The money goes in circles. I'm not a scientist. So I'm not going to try to refute you Boy, on the facts. Boy, that's the truth. <laughs> 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 Kenny, guy. when did that clip originally air? Because I now I, remember seeing December it. December 3rd, no, you said. This is when it was reposted, but it's from a... It's from, I, I, I don't know, Chris. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I just... She sent it to me, uh, and it was a piece on Twitter. Okay. And I just copied it and sent it to Such. Yeah. It's fantastic. But, you know what? And he brings up that was his home run there. Um, where the money comes from, where the money goes, it's all about the money. You've been saying it for a long right. time. It, it's a big business. Right. Al Gore, the the biggest cheerleader there is for uh, global warming and climate change, sells carbon credits. Mm -hmm. Give me a break. Well, boys, here I, I wanted to bring to light this this piece that. I think I carved it out of today's paper. It was either today, yesterday, or, or Saturday headline. And I think it was A2 headline. Where's the snow? Rockies parched. Denver breaks record. And it's, of course, it, here it is. You see, it's just a short yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it's about global warming and climate change and how things are getting warm. But they refute their own argument in the first column. Denver, 
Denver's winters have started with a winter started with a whimper, and the parched mountains to the west aren't faring much better. And here we go. The Mile City has already shattered its 87-year-old record for the latest uh, latest measurable snowfall set on November 21st, 1934. So they mentioned that this has happened before. And it's a little more than a week away from breaking an 1887 record of 235 consecutive days without snow. So what, this has happened before? It's only the second time this, since 1976 that Salt Lake City has gone snowless throughout November. Okay, so it's happened before? Hello? We went through this last week, remember? Know, yes. it, locally, we had, it's yes. the fourth warmest November in history. <laughs> yes. And then the next day, I found the same story out of Denver. It's the fourth warmest November in history. Well, what preceded him? Oh, 1939, 1915, 1887. Yes. Denver's high Wednesday hit 73 degrees, tying the record set in 1973. Oh, I just love it. (laughs) When we thought the globe was cooling. Well, do uh, Steve Wickstrom uh, alerted me to this. Do you realize we're all responsible for uh, albatrosses, those large seabirds? No. Oh, they're getting divorced. Really? Yeah, they're they're getting they're getting divorced. Oh, I, I'm sorry to hear because that. of climate change. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, it's not irreconcilable differences or cheating or drinking. Or... They live mostly in the southern hemisphere. They're known as some of the world's most reliably monogamous creatures. Climate change and warming weather, however, could lead to a rise in partners breaking up. According to a study published by the New Zealand's Royal Society, which provides funding and policy advice uh-huh. in areas involving the sciences and humanities. Right. The probability of divorce. Can a bird get divorced? I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of apply that to human behavior. Well, right? that, you know, you got to have alimony then. you got to pay for what the kids. What about the kids? Yeah. yeah. The probability of divorce was directly affected by the environment, (laughs) (laughs) increasing in years when warm sea surface temperature uh, anomalies, the report found. Warmer weather leads to population declines among fish, which means the birds have to spend more time and travel farther to feed. The harsher conditions in turn can affect hormone levels and make it less likely that chicks will survive. Environmentally driven divorce may therefore represent an overlooked consequence of global change, the study reported. Researchers studied a wild population of 15,500 breeding black-brown albatross pairs in the Falkland Islands over a 15-year period. Uh, The study discounted cases in which one member of a couple died. Oh, remind me to tell you a joke when I'm done with this. All right. Uh, the The average annual divorce rate... I can't believe I'm reading this. These people have gone so insane that they're now tallying the divorce rate of a seabird. <laughs> it's it's conscious uncoupling, like Gwyneth Paltrow uh, yeah. suffered. The average annual divorce rate they found was 3.7% and could be as low as uh, 0.8% and as high as 7.7%. In other words, you're full of BS. Couples they already knew were statistically more likely to break up after breeding failures as the birds went in search of more compatible mating partners. Well, how could there be more compatible mating partners? Wouldn't the compatible mating partner be just as subject to the changing uh, ocean temperatures as as the wife you're going to leave? True. So -hmm. that doesn't make sense. Uh, But even when accounting for breeding failures and fish shortages in years in which sea surface temperatures rose, the probability of divorce increased. That's from the Saturday. What, what, when was this? This was yesterday. 
This was the Sunday Star Tribune hmm. Science and Health section. Oh, I threw that piece away. You know, I, I don't look at it. I don't buy a single word of that. I think the Albatross nightclub in Mankato had more to yeah. do with divorces than, yeah. than, than climate change does. For <laughs> you the know Albatross what those birds bird. have? The same thing Brad Pitt has. Options. Yes. Well, so there's Lots this uh, of options. <laughs> there's this elderly Irish fella and he's uh, he's seen kneeling in front of a of a a gravestone, oh. tombstone. Oh, my. And he said, why did you have to die? Oh, Jesus, my life was so perfect when you were around. You were the bell of my life. You you have no idea how happy I used to be. No idea how happy. This is just a crying shame. Oh, Jesus, I miss you. And these two younger guys walk up and say, who was it, bud? He says, my wife's first husband. <laughs> <laughs> See, the albatrosses reminded yeah. me of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. You guys ever uh, I think Scott from Inver Grove sent me that. Did he? Yeah. You guys ever have a pint at the albatross? I've never been to the albatross. Oh. Never been I there. figured with as many uh, Viking training camps as you covered, maybe you hopped in there for one. Is that what they call a gentleman's club? No, no, no. It was a standard nightclub. You know, you you, you, sure. you get the oons music, but uh, yeah, yeah, one of us did some damage there. Albatross the divorce. Yep. Oh, my God. Say, right now at EcoFund Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake, great Christmas deals for GLers. Did you get this approved, or are you making this up, too? No, this is right from Tim. <laughs> oh, okay. This is right from Tim. Okay. Uh, $200 off all in-stock Bentelli electric bikes. You can buy the same bike as I own for only $13.99. Hey, Tim, that's less than I paid for mine. Uh, $300 off all Yamaha electric bikes. Youth ATV starting at $10.99. That is really fun for kids and grandkids. Bentelli scooters, your choice of three models on sale for $12.99. All Yamaha clothing, 10% off as we barrel towards Christmas. And full snowmobile servicing if you need to get your sled ready to go this winter. And yes, they're still accepting winter storage units for those who waited. And uh, Tim wishes all GLers a great week and uh, is alerting us to these tremendous, tremendous deals for Christmas at EcoFun Motorsports. It's right on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. Hey, GLers, if you're looking to improve the water quality in your home, then trust my friends at Hofferman Water. They are your local independent water treatment dealer, and they have been serving Minnesotans for nearly 50 years, and they understand the unique problems that Minnesota water brings. They are also an independent and authorized Connecticut dealer, so whether you're looking to soften, filter, or you just want your water to taste better, they will help make your water worry-free. I'm a prime example. I went with the Connecticut system a couple of years ago. I have the S. 650 system inside my home it made an absolute world of difference it improved everything your 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 dishes your your laundry your showers everything inside your home gets better with Connecticut and my friends at Hofferman Water if you already have a water treatment system in your home well they can help you with service and repairs they specialize in Connecticut products but service many other major brands too they can also help with salt delivery filter changes parts repairs and more give them a shout today you can call them at 612-895-2440 for a free water analysis and estimate, or just check them out online at hoffermanwater.com, and please let them know that Garage Logic sent you. Cue the tail I guess the by. tables were turned. Right ah. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Frank Zappa. 
and the mothers of invention. That's not who this is. John, am I right? No. P.K. Mayo. P.K. Mayo. Uh, Okay, uh, so a GLer sent me a hashtag Seafoam work story, and I'm going to warn you, Seafoam, if you're listening, Seafoam, he's not happy with you. He's happy with me. He's not happy with you. It's a wonderful product in the world of bad gas, unless you are about to amaze the neighbor with your savvy mechanical abilities, Jason writes. Well, wait a minute. Jason writes, I'm blaming Kenny. Uh, My neighbor recently (laughs) helped me pour some concrete. When I asked him what the bill was, he said, don't worry about it. We'll figure something out. Not being the type of person who likes to be in debt to a neighbor, I decided I'd stop by and give him a $100 bill. He was outside cussing and fighting with his snowblower as it was spitting and sputtering, only running on full joke. He said, I'll tell you what, instead of the cash, clean the carb or do whatever it takes to get this thing running and we'll call it even. I agreed to stop over later that afternoon and pick it up. An hour later, he calls up and says, don't worry about it. His brother stopped by, recommended a gulp of sea foam, so he poured some in and within minutes it started running like the day it was born. A $7 can of seafoam sitting in my chem cabinet could have saved me 100 bucks, but he beat me to it. I'm willing to bet his brother is a GLer and got the idea from Kenny. Thanks a lot. I don't know. Who's he blaming here, me or seafoam? I'm going to say you. Uh, well, he should know. <laughs> there's there's a seafoam product for every woe you might find in the shop. Why? Because in a world of bad gas, seafoam. They write the check, baby. They're wonderful. Our buddy Tom Radke writes, Once upon a time when I was much more mobile than I am these days, I used to travel out to New York City and spend days just wandering the streets and canyons like a jaw-hanging Midwest rube, never fearing the fools that were lurking like wolves awaiting in an uns- on an unsuspecting sheep. No longer. I came across this story this morning and am left wondering why these killers are allowed to be returned to the streets where they will continue to kill until they commit a crime so heinous that even the most liberal judge or prosecutor recognizes their unrelenting danger. I personally carry a snub-nosed 38 S&W loaded with five high-grain hollow points, not to kill, only to survive. As Rod Serling used to say, submitted for your approval. What Rads is referring to is a gangbanger who fatally stabbed a Columbia University student during a random late-night Manhattan crime spree where he knifed a second man before terrorizing a dog-walking couple in Central Park, uh, ex-con Vincent Pickney, on parole for a Queens gang assault conviction and owner of a long rap sheet, cried out in delight after the second Thursday night stabbing of a man walking along Columbus Avenue, a witness told the New York Daily News. Tom, this is what we've been talking about, Rads. This is what we've been talking about. Uh, the bail reform movement brought to you by the left has increased the danger that the average American now faces every mm-hmm. day of their life. And, uh, a that, much greater threat than climate change. Well, there is no threat from climate change. Right. There is a threat from the, the uh, bail reform movement. And here's AOC, who I don't like to talk about, but it's, it must be done. And she represents the New York City area. And even a former Democrat state lawmaker has slamming Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, after she undermined the existence of smash-and-grab robberies across the country, and he called her a danger as she advocates emptying prisons and defunding the police. He is former New York Assemblyman Dove Heikend. He joined Fox and Friends on Monday to discuss her remarks. As many critics argue, the rhetoric is tone-deaf 
amid a rampant crime surge nationwide. These crimes are being committed. There are real victims here, Hawkind explained. The bail reform that she supports, where criminals walk out before the police officers finish the paperwork, it's ridiculous causing new victims out there. It is really out of control. Last week, Cortez cast doubt on the existence of mass smash-and-grab robberies around the country. What? Yep. Walgreens, among other retailers and lawmakers, pushed back on her remarks, arguing that organized retail theft is one of the most significant issues plaguing its company specifically. Republicans are speaking out on this, Hyken stated. Where are people from my Democratic Party? Are they blind? Maybe AOC is blind. Clearly she doesn't see it. Where are the others in the Democratic Party to stand up and defend the innocent people of this country who are being victimized by criminals? Hyken questioned. Cities in California, especially in and around San Francisco and Los Angeles, have been dealing with a series of what many critics call organized mass looting targeting retailers in recent weeks. AOC's remarks come shortly after the Fraternal Order of Police announced 58 police officers, the highest number ever recorded, have been shot and killed in the line of duty so far in 2021. The organization released the data last week, warning the highest number of officers shot in the line of duty already at 314, is also on pace mm. to become the highest on record. She's wow. a big hero and to a lot of people, Hyken said. She is a disaster for the average American because of the policies and the things she advocates and the fact that so many dev- Democrats are fearful of her and the radical left of the Democratic Party. He continued, crime is out of control in New York and Los Angeles, other cities all over America, victims all over America. AOC doesn't care about them. She cares about the criminal. Well, the guy's right. Mm-hmm. When you're right, you're right. So he's is right. It, is it malice or stupidity? It if we're going be. to attribute uh, Hanlon's razor to her, is it malice or stupidity? I think it's a combination. I, I do think she's terribly stupid, but she also, she also has enough malice in her heart to decide only with these radical left policies that are bringing harm to her constituents. Mm-hmm. They're bringing harm to people out on the street trying to enjoy a time out at night, and they don't know who's in the restaurant. As and there's reading. no difference uh, with uh, Omar, the same no, thing. No. As you were reading that, you know the first thing I thought of? You guys recall uh, when she went down, I forget which um, encampment for immigration she went to, remember, she posed for the photos and mm-hmm. she was crying. I think it was it, at the border. Was it? Uh, it was. It was yeah. it in Texas? Okay. And, and I yep. just I just kept thinking of that the entire time. This woman is such a fraud. She is a fraud. Every part of her is so, is so phony. Right. She is a uh, she is a fraud. You'll recall that we uh, really spent a lot of time Friday. Uh, discussing the behavior of a Minneapolis police officer who arrested with force a, a black shopper at an Aldi store mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> this note is from a fellow who says, don't use my name. I roll my eyes a bit when I hear about police misconduct, and I tend to follow the 72-hour rule, even with video. Uh, I worked as a licensed peace officer for five years in Hennepin County before I made my break away from the country's tallest buildings. My time working with Minneapolis Police Department officers was extensive, and as a group, I found them under extreme stress, most handled as good as one can. That scene, I've also seen the culture problem with the PD. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with respect, attitude, and professionalism. I've seen it firsthand. 
And while it's a few that spoil the soup, it's been a longstanding issue and needs to be corrected. As a peace officer, we sometimes have to take aggressive, fast-moving action to protect ourselves or others from harm. This decision is based on a multitude of things, including training, experience, the situation, and the ability, just to name a few. Uh, in this case, I honestly can't say yet. The video starts too late in the scenario for me to get an idea of what the officer was seeing that caused him to make that decision. Well, I think I said vaguely the same thing on yeah, you Friday. Did. you did. What I did see was this, he notes, an officer boxed in on three sides with a wall behind him, cell phone cameras in his face and people yelling at him. When he asked if he had paid, I'm guessing he was wanting to make sure that he could take his groceries with him when he told him he was out. I wonder if his original intention was to toss him like a bouncer at the saloon. I did not see a camera on the officer, guessing they can't use them when working off-duty. They may, may, they may need to change that policy. I wish he had one so we could have seen the whole thing. Long way of saying, I don't know. Hopefully there will be more security cameras to help one way or another, but as I've learned the last few years of my law enforcement career, facts don't seem to matter for cops. Mob rules. If he was wrong, he needs to be held accountable. If he was justified, we need to recognize that too. I have been a use of force trainer for over 12 years, and I have always held us, law enforcement, to a much higher standard than the general public. We, law enforcement, owe that to the community we serve because they have given us a lot of trust. We make mistakes. We are human, and we should be held accountable. If we are bad cops, we should find other work. If we make a poor decision, we should be punished and trained better. That brings me to the Dante Wright trial. I make no claims of understanding this case other than this. If Potter signed on at work that morning and planned to go kill someone, lock her up. If she made a horrible mistake that day and she has lost her job and will be held civilly liable, I agree. If society decides that officers are to be put in jail for the unintentional mistakes we make, society will get the officers they deserve, and one would have to question their mindsets when they take the job. I love my work. I hate the environment of the political nature of it now, and I can only hope to make it to retirement unless things even out. Uh, if you use this, please stop reading here. All right, I did. <laughs> then, he tells me who, then he tells me who he is. He tells me who That's he is. That's a great email. Well, and I just want to finish that with a letter to the editor today in the Star Tribune regarding the Kim Potter trial, which I think we should follow and have our friend Peter Wohl, the defense attorney, on, and because this— this has all the makings of developing uh, a George Floyd uh, theater ambiance. Lead letter to the editor today in the uh, Star Tribune. I read uh, with interest, Dante Wright's family calls for accountability come verdict day, front page November 30. While it tells a very important story, it shows significant bias, in my opinion, and lacks journalistic balance. There are multiple examples to address here, but I will focus on just one in the interest of space. The story quotes Courtney Ross as saying, The fact that Kim Par Potter brandished a weapon for a routine traffic stop when the entire world was looking at racist cops under a microscope proved to me that Kim Potter was so brash and brazen that she murdered a black man with no thought. Ugh. While I deeply sympathize with Ross for the loss of her brutally murdered boyfriend, George Floyd, this is a very unfair and inflammatory statement on her part. First of all, it is factually inaccurate. Only when it became a situation of someone with a warrant for their arrest attempting to resist and flee did Potter make the decision to tase Wright. 
For any reasonable person who has watched the body camera video and read accounts of her reactions after the video concluded, it is unambiguously obvious that Potter intended to tase Wright rather than shoot him, and that she was highly distraught when she realized what she had done in error. It is clear there is widespread belief in the legal community, including the relevant county attorneys, that first-degree manslaughter is too serious a charge in this case. However, Attorney General Keith Ellison did bring this charge. Even Ellison could not find justification in bringing a murder charge against Potter, yet Ross uses the term murder freely in the above quote. Mm-hmm. My primary concern here is that the Star Tribune published this quote with no critical context or qualification. It is presented as unchallenged, defining perspective. Later in the story, a quote from one of Potter's defense attorneys is provided. An accident is not a crime. However, this is quickly dismissed as a viable perspective, using a quote from Ross referencing that in all her years in education, she never mistook a sticker for a stapler. Oh, God. The grief of the Wright family is clearly immense and needs to be acknowledged. However, in the interests of fairness, this case warrants media coverage using the highest journalistic standards possible. In my opinion, this article fell well short of such standards. This issue raised above is only one of multiple problematic examples of bias in it that could be examined. Peter Langworthy, St. Paul, and he is absolutely correct. How come they never respond to letters like this? Who? That- the Star Tribune. They did. They wrote the le- They printed the letter. That's not good enough for me. No, I understand. I understand. But what we've learned in GL over the last few years is how uh, it can be terribly burdensome to so- sort out everything and and come up with the right answers. Mm-hmm. But and uh, that Potter trial will demand that of us. It's their job to do what Peter Langworthy you know, pointed yeah. out they didn't do. Right. I agree. Would and you... they know it's their job. And, and as far as I'm concerned, they knowingly did that on purpose, trying to get away for, uh, with it. Were you going to say something, Johnny? No. Oh. I, when you first said that, Joe, weeks ago, I didn't believe you. When I said what? When you said that this trial will turn oh. into the George Floyd. I didn't believe you. I now do. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. They've all they've got this kid on a pedestal. Because I keep making the assumption that that enough rational people are out there, but well, there they're just aren't enough. Go back to the law enforcement officer who who doesn't want to be named, but I have no uh, doubt at all that he's a legit guy. He gives me his name and where he works, and okay, uh, it's not race that concerns cops. It's respect and it's professionalism yes. and it's behavior. Yes, Dante Wright would be alive today. If he merely did what was asked of him, he would be alive. And now you've got the Star Tribune giving more weight to the presence of George Floyd's girlfriend who suddenly intertwined herself with the Dante Wright family uh, to create this imagery of uh, this, again, was a, a murder. Mm-hmm. It's not, it wasn't a murder. It was not a murder. And we don't know a damn thing about Kim Potter when it comes to race. We have no idea. She's, what, what, 26 years on the force? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is Ellison doing charging, it, uh, charging her with first-degree manslaughter when what? he knows that it wasn't? Right. What's he trying to get away with? The prosecution of a white police officer. 
who made a horrible mistake. And said so instantly. Yeah, right she, away. She was completely, completely distraught. Oh, my God, I shot him. Oh, my God, I shot him. You want to have Johnny Height join us? With, with more uplifting <laughs> news? Some good stuff coming up here from Johnny Height. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll All try right. to do a little more. All right. You know, up-tempo. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here with a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a decrease in the following? Maybe strength, endurance, enjoyment of life, libido, or maybe it's just a lack of energy. Are you tired of feeling exhausted even after you eat dinner? I've got an answer for you. You need to call my friends at Everest Men's Health. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every single area important to a man's overall health. And that allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. It does not matter where you fall on the spectrum of men's health. The time is right now to come into Everest Men's Health and take the first steps toward realizing your best health possible. The great thing about Everest is their medical specialists look at the entire picture and they figure out what is causing these changes to you. They start with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and overall body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can include testosterone testosterone replacement, medication management, vitamin and natural supplementation, and exercise prescription and nutritional guidance. Trust me, Everest is fantastic, and they provide a comfortable environment that is not intimidating like other medical clinics. They specialize in men's health, and they can be your doctor for all your health needs, and they will refer you to a specialist if needed. It's a wonderful environment and fantastic people. Go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com, and you can call today to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any one of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in East. And please let them know that you heard about him on the Garage Logic podcast. Here's a man that can't draw an eight. Here's a man who's looking at his phone and can't be bothered to hit a line. Joe Sushere. Hey, uh, have we heard from Rook? Where's Matthew? Isn't Matthew here on Mondays? Where uh, is he? John was in communication with him yesterday. Uh, all I can tell you is I asked him if he'd be in today and how he was feeling, and his only answer was, no, you're going to work tomorrow. And then he had a picture of the smiley face with the thermometer coming out of his mouth, but didn't answer any other questions about his health. So I, I don't know what's going on. Oh, man, you know what I just learned? The Nativity <laughs> Men's Club what's sold its last <laughs> tree on Saturday. Wow. Out of that whole letter, that's what you took away well, from Well, I'm not going to read the whole letter. It's not about your crazy family. No. And, and I was supposed to work a shift this week, and now they're out of trees. Huh. On December really? 5th. They, no, December Six, 4th. December 6th. Oh, they sold the last they one. They sold the one, last one at 2.30 p.m. Saturday. Are they like the rest of the country? Are they having supply issues? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Here's part of the letter. I'm certainly no psychologist, but you Suchere <laughs> brothers are some of the goofiest siblings with whom I have had the occasion to spend time. Now, having said that, you guys may seriously or more accurately, comically, think, of you, think you are living in some sort of a sitcom uh, or doing shtick. What is especially hysterical is that when taken aside separately, each brother will state that he thinks he is the sane one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's from Skilly, and he wanted us to note that he was the guy who asked Jesse Ventura, you got a color set? It wasn't oh, Johnny. It, was it wasn't Johnny. It was oh, Skilly. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, the reason I ask about Rook is I wish he was here to criticize me for what I'm about to say about Maple Grove Lock and Safe Season. 
Winter is here. Christmas is coming. I have your gift-giving ideas. Oh, boy. Uh, Rich at Maple Grove Lock and Save has plenty of Liberty Centurion 12, 18, uh, and 24 saves. That's the number of firearms you can stick in there. They're all loaded with accessories, and he does have ammo cans available. Liberty's best-selling safe, the Lincoln, they have it in store. It's a limited quantity that was produced of this unit. It's a white gloss flag safe with a big five-spoke handle. I love those. They look so cool cool uh and it's got a scan logic lock another truckload of safes are arriving in december so he'll have plenty in store no waiting you can buy right away take home or have delivery and setup done special orders are available and the last point out of four this is the fourth stretch god stretch your cash out with the holidays and you can finance a safe 12 month same as cash financing is available. Two more points. The address, 6901 East Fish Lake Road in Maple Grove, and the web address, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. John Height, please. Uh, thank you, Joe. Imagine, fellas, having to pick the same Souchere brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be me. I'm going with Paul. That'd be me. I'm going yeah. with Paul. Uh, I think I'll go with Paul. I'm picking Paul, too, because he always has beers with us at the fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, other thing about trees, uh, Christmas trees, I wanted to say, uh, my wife, as you guys know, works at a large store who uh, sells many Christmas trees at Christmas. Yeah. They didn't They didn't get any this year. Wow. And they, they usually Oof. sell three, three huge semi-loads. Wow. Uh, so they got none wow. in. And then the other interesting thing I thought in the story this morning about the shortage, this dates back to 2013 and 14 because it was a drought. So you're you're actually working eight, nine years. Climate change is to blame. Yeah, there you go. Climate change. No Christmas trees. Merry Christmas. Your families, do you have your trees up? Yes. Yes. Mine goes up the second Thanksgiving is over. We might not be getting one this year. Oh, you Scrooge. You should get the sad Charlie Brown looking one. I just don't care. You know, whatever. (laughs) Just don't care, Scrooge. Okay. Uh, A couple of. uh, (laughs) A couple of sports notes before we jump into news. Congrats to Jim Cott and Tony Oliva for their election into the Baseball Hall of Fame. That happened yesterday afternoon. John, would you Uh, agree he was the best guest on the ride with Royce? Cot was oh, great. You it was and fanboy nonsense oh, over the weekend. No, yesterday. no, listening to listening to him talk baseball is no. He's what? right, but Reavers was over the top. What the committee did this? It was called the Golden Era. Uh, the, it's and is the that golden... a new committee? No, it's what Chris ten years maybe something it's been like around. That. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, uh, several other folks got into Mini Minoso. Um... I couldn't be more in favor of Tony Oliva and Jim Cott getting in the Hall of Fame, but is. Are we seeing an effort being made to broaden the classes who can get in? I think what we're going to see, and your uh, Monday Night Sports Talk host would better explain I'll ask, this I'll than ask me, Patrick. But yeah. I think because you're never going to have a pitcher that's going to get to 300 wins again. So I think those those level of standards, right, John, are, are going to start getting Hell, lower. yeah. I th- rarely to 200 wins, I think, at this point. Well, yeah. I, I was yeah. always under the impression that Tony wasn't in because his career was so short. Right. right, and yeah. that's yeah. that is it. That's right. why. So, and there's other ball players in that. I think he had a what an eight-year career, if that. Uh, I'll look it up. He was rookie yeah. of the year in '64. Yeah, a right? little more. I think he played to '74. I think he DH'd into '74. Yeah, that's a ten-year so career. Ten years. He maybe, played fifteen roughly. years. 
15. Wow. 1962. Well, why would that rookie? have been considered a short career then? Well, okay, 64 was his rookie of the year season. He was on the Twins uh, two years prior than that, and then he played until 1976, where he only appeared in 67 games. Yeah, he had a couple seasons, right, where he, that were abbreviated by injury. Well, he lived yeah. in the days of primitive knee surgery. Yeah. Yep. Today, he would have had a 30-year career. With That's just like they always say about Mantle. Yep. A, a simple operation would have taken care of that today, right. whereas he had to live with it his entire career. Right. Uh, one of the sports note, the Gophers will play in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl Who's in Phoenix <laughs> on, on December 28th. They'll play West Virginia. Some folks thought they might sneak into a different one, the Outback, Las Vegas, Music City, Pinstripe Bowl, but it uh, didn't happen. The Gopher game will be played on a Tuesday night at 9.15 hour time. So uh, if well, at least they it, got a warm weather site. That's true. They're Phoenix, in Phoenix. Yeah. You know. Sure, sure. Uh, West Virginia, their opponent, finished the season with a 500 record. So there you go. Uh, in news, the state patrol says that from 11 a.m. Sunday through 7 a.m. today, there were 69 crashes statewide, including 11 with injuries and one deadly crash in Beltrami County. Additionally, 65 spinouts or vehicles off the road and two jackknife semis uh, over the weekend from 5 p.m. Sunday until 11 a.m. Uh, I'm sorry, 5 p.m. Saturday. Till 11 a.m. Sunday, State Patrol reported 261 crashes and 115 spinouts. Lots more snow fell in northern Minnesota than down here. The highest snow totals, Grand Marais, 17.2 inches of snow. And between 6 inches and a foot of snow fell from Grand Forks to Bemidji and across the Iron Range. It is bitterly cold here in the Twin Cities today, but the extended forecast calls for highs in the 40s early next week. Well, winter doesn't even start till December 21st. Everybody is saying, oh, it's a slow start to winter. Yeah, well, it ain't here yet. It's still fall. <laughs> wait a minute. I th- Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, thanks, Kenny. Go ahead. Um, when does... No. Uh, winter starts December 21st. That's the first day of climatological you got, winter. Well, you got that on tape, Reavers? I sure do. Yeah. You're flagging I, that? Yeah, You're going to load that do. onto he a cart? He doesn't even and... realize how he has aired. He has no idea. S- send Look that out him. to the tw- 21st. He's looking at the computer all confused. Was it 21st or that doesn't bother me? Oh, now he's going to talk oh. his way out oh, of no, this trash bag. He's going to otter his way out of this. And you hate America. You think I'm going to let here sit here and let you <laughs> badmouth America. <laughs> Uh, Minneapolis Police Chief Badario Arredondo announcing this morning he will not seek a third term as police chief. Arredondo said, after 32 years of service, I believe that now is the right time to allow for new leadership, new perspective, new focus, and new hope to lead the department forward in collaboration with our communities. He'll retire next month, he says, to allow for a smooth transition to the new leadership. He became the city's police chief after Janae Harteau resigned in 2017. He was the first black person to serve as chief of the Minneapolis Police Department. He's uh, had to guide the department through some difficult times. He entered the role after former police officer Mohammed Noor fatally shot Justine DeMond, who had called 911 to report a possible sexual assault behind her home. Over the past year and a half, he's been tasked with rebuilding community trust and implementing changes after the death of George Floyd. At the beginning of this year, Arredondo was a finalist for the police chief job in San Jose, California, but after that became public, he asked to be withdrawn from consideration. 
Attorneys and the judge in the trial of former Brooklyn Center Police Officer Kimberly Potter met in chambers this morning, talked about proposed jury instructions before they gathered again in court later in the morning to take them up again on record. Hennepin County District Judge Regina Chu, Prosecutor Matthew Frank, and Defense Attorney Paul Eng reviewed the instructions in open court but without the jurors present, which is common process for finalizing jury instructions. Potter was not in the courtroom for that step of the trial. Uh, the judge explained that her decision about photos of the autopsy being in the trial strikes a fair balance between the public's access while maintaining the dignity of the deceased. They will not be shown on televised uh, parts of the trial. The trial resumes Wednesday at 9 a.m. with opening statements in the trial. A teenager has been arrested over a threatening school media post directed at a Sauk Rapids school. Sauk Rapids police said the post was made Saturday, aimed at Sauk Rapids Middle School. Authorities took a 14-year-old into custody for the post. While the investigation remains active, police said the teen has claimed sole responsibility for the post. The department said police are at Sauk Rapids schools today and doors will remain locked all day for the safety of staff and students. School officials are expected to release more information later this afternoon. Bob Dole, Republican Party stalwart and presidential hopeful who espoused a brand of plain-spoken conservatism as one of Washington's most recognizable political figures throughout the latter half of the 20th century, died yesterday. According to a statement from his family, he died in his sleep. He was 98 years old. He had announced in February that he was being treated for advanced lung cancer. President Joe Biden visited Dole shortly after learning of the diagnosis. Biden on Sunday released a statement mourning Dole. Other statements came from former Presidents Bush, Trump, Obama, and Clinton. Dole served 27 years in the Senate and ran unsuccessfully for the presidency against Bill Clinton in 1996. You know, I was reading about his runs for the presidency, yeah. and he could never acclimate himself to that world of what was required of you. To, to be so gregarious and out front and whatever. Plus, he didn't like attending any of the meals because he couldn't even cut a steak because yeah. his left hand was so right. de uh, destroyed that he couldn't uh, he couldn't use it. He could, or maybe it was his right hand. He couldn't shake hands. It was his, yeah, it was his right, it was his right he hand. Couldn't, he yeah. couldn't shake hands. Um, someone did post the, uh, the video of him standing and saluting uh, former President Bush yep. yes, or yesterday. He had was, to have help. That, he? But that was cool. It was that just was a, wonderful. That was a cool moment. Yeah. Remember, he, he, they made, he made them stand him up to walk there. He right. said right. he didn't want to be wheeled over to, right. to right. greet his old friend. I don't understand the love for him from the left when they hate everything right. Uh I'm unaware of extraordinary examples of love from the current left for him. Oh, didn't Pelosi say something nice? Well, yeah, I, I mean, a civilized didn't. human being is going to say something nice. Well, yeah. she's far from civilized. Well, well, but but he's. I would take the other route, Kenny. What? He was what the right was, and isn't anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and and so the civilized part. On both sides is gone. He learned to work across the aisle. Exactly. Let's put which, it that way. Which isn't done now, of right. course, but right. maybe someday again. Yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, a Norwegian. We don't know that. A, no 
Norwegian cruise line ship docked in New Orleans over the weekend with at least 17 passengers and crew members infected with the coronavirus. And according to local health officials, the Norwegian breakaway departed from New Orleans November 28th with more than 3,200 people aboard stopped in Belize, Honduras, and Mexico on its voyage. The statement did not say whether the passengers were tested for the coronavirus before the trip, but the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention advised cruise goers to get tested one to three days in advance. Uh, meanwhile, Minnesota's first Omicron patient is speaking out. Peter yeah. McGinn, <laughs> one of the first known people in the U.S. to contract the variant. A 30-year-old Minnesota resident who's fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and has received his booster said he thinks he became infected after attending a massive anime convention in New York City in late November. What's anime? McGinn, What's that? Didn't we go through this with you last week or was that off the air? I think it was off the year. It's, it's a, a cartoon, cartoon festival. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. McGinn um, said he and several other attendees who are also fully vaccinated went out together after the event. Half of that group has since tested positive, according to McGinn. McGinn said he tested positive after he got home to Minnesota and learning a friend with whom he attended the convention had contracted the virus. He says he was surprised by his positive test because... He felt pretty good. It yeah. didn't, uh, didn't really affect <laughs> yeah. him. Which is what we've kind of been hearing, but it's always buried in the 18th paragraph on uh, the jump page, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because first they do all the screaming, the screaming headlines, and the hand-rigging, and the pearl-clutching. And then somewhere buried in the story you'll find, eh, effects are neg- negligible, you know? Here's <laughs> ray of hope. It might prove to be nothing. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Are you uh, bringing up yeah. New York at all today, by the way? In what sense? The uh, mandatory... Uh, yeah. I guess the mayor of New York City is going to demand that uh, even five-year-olds have to have some proof of something if they oh, want to go in a public space. Because that's Ooh. the real root of problems right now in New York, mm-hmm. <laughs> is five-year-olds walking around unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Back to the ship. Now, this thing, you come out of there loaded with the coronavirus, right? You're all virused <laughs> up, right? <laughs> Dripping out of every pore. Oh, wouldn't, if you're on one of these ships, wouldn't that be the least of your worries? I mean, isn't there like airborne syphilis floating around these things? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably certain that that just ends any possibility at all Sarah. of ever having a cruise line as a sponsor. Kenny here. Yeah. But I'm just thinking it's, just, it's like... Like the Playboy Mansion on these ships, right? Nobody's got clothes on. No, can uh, close the window. You're letting the stink out. You know, stuff like that. I, I, I will say that even prior to COVID, I, I would never have been as much as I love the water. I, I I've never seen the uh, yeah. the attraction. Could you imagine? Being with Joe on a cruise ship. It's not going to work. I found one. I found one that I'm determined I'm going to take. And I I thought I was with you. Uh, It's a ship ride up the Columbia River. The the river that divides Washington and Oregon. You take that river up. Oh, I bet that'd be neat. As far as you possibly can with on this, you know, mini-sized... It's like an oversized yacht or something like that. As far up as you can possibly go. And you see all the points of history and all, all the interesting things about cool, the two states. Yeah. I think that would be the funnest cruise in its yeah. two two days, something like that. But it just huh. seems really cool. Yeah, there uh, there are now music cruise ships too, which mm-hmm. a lot of those look very good. But I I don't know that I'd want to. Yeah, that'd be like back, it'd be like a backstage at like a Janis Joplin concert where it's just 
just debauchery and sweat and why why do you associate these boats just with all debauchery? sorts of weird fluids well, and stains? Do you have a, do you have any more news? Oh, I have a lot of well, news. Well let's too. go with it then. <laughs> After Speaking of so all I can do roll, to keep this train on the tracks. <laughs> after their request for vaccine requirements was denied at the University of Minnesota's football stadium last week, the Foo Fighters have found a new home for their August 3rd, 2022 date. Uh, they will play at U.S. Bank Stadium. The new location announced Monday morning, along with ticket information. Tickets go on sale this Friday. Uh, proof of vaccine or negative test results will be required at the concert. It's the first major event to be announced at the Viking Stadium that will have such a policy. The same safety protocols are also in place at the other 17 dates on the Foo Fighters North American so Tour. No one loves the Foo more than me, and I've seen them live a couple of times, but are they... Can they sell out U.S. Bank Stadium? Yes. You think so? I I'm think pretty so. sure they can. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. More than half of America's youngest adults, 56% of those ages 18 to 25, are overweight or obese, according to Johns Hopkins Research. Using data from a nationally representative sample of over 8,000 people in that age bracket, the researchers compared average heights over the past four decades. In that time, population uh, average weights, I'm sorry, over the past four decades. In that time, the population's average body mass index, a measure of body fat based on a person's height and weight, has increased by 4.6 points from 23.1 to 27.7. 23.1 is considered normal. 27.7 is considered overweight. Speaker of Britain's House of Commons says he's calling in police. They want, uh, he wants them to investigate a report that drug use is rife in Parliament. Hmm. As Prime Minister Boris Johnson dresses up as a police officer to promote his new anti-drug strategy for the country that he's expected to detail today. A report in Britain's Sunday Times said more than 10 areas on the Westminster estate, which spans several sites for lawmakers, government officials and staffs, have tested positive for traces of cocaine. Areas included the women's bathrooms nearest to Johnson's office and those near the office of Home Secretary Priti Patel. The paper reported that cannabis was also being used openly within the vicinity. Of 12 bathrooms tested for drugs with wipes, cocaine was reportedly found in 11 of those locations. All of this comes as Johnson was set to announce a 10-year plan to hold drug offenders responsible and combat crime in England and Wales. Do you have the story of the last... Surviving member of the Band of Brothers? I just was getting to it. Wonderful. Ed Edward, I'm going to go with Shames, huh? Yeah. Edward Shames? Yes. A World War II veteran who was the last surviving officer of Easy Company, which inspired the HBO miniseries and book Band of Brothers, has died. Edward was 99 years old. That series was fantastic. Mm -hmm. He died peacefully at his home on Friday. Shames was involved in some of the most important battles of World War II. During the war, he was a member of the renowned Easy Company, 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment, 101st Airborne Division. According to his obit, he made his first combat jump into Normandy on D-Day. As part of Operation Overlord, he volunteered for Operation Pegasus and then fought with Easy Company in Operation Market Garden and the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. James was the first member of the 101st to enter Dachau concentration camp just days after its liberation. The obit said when Germany surrendered, Ed and his men of Easy Company entered Hitler's Eagle's Nest, where Ed managed to acquire a few bottles of cognac. A label indicating they were for the Fuhrer's use only. Later, he would use the cognac to toast his oldest son's bar mitzvah. 
After the war, Shames worked for the National Security Agency as an expert on Middle East affairs. He also served in the Army Reserve Division and later retired as a colonel. The company, Easy Company, is subject of Stephen Ambrose's 1992 book and uh, 2001 miniseries created by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, which followed Easy Company from its training in 1942 to the World uh, Wars. Two and wheelbarrows. I love the yeah. fact that a Jewish <laughs> soldier was one of the first to help liberate Dachau. Yeah. And is that one of the camps where they trotted the townspeople out? Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Hey, did you uh, see this uh, news about the Olympics and uh, the Biden administration? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I didn't. Well, apparently we're at, we're going to boycott Beijing. Oh. Uh, well, it, a diplomatic boycott. A dip- yeah, yeah, diplomatic The athletes boycott. can go, but the politicians are going to stay home. Yeah. 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 Uh, we have a volcanic eruption, this one in Indonesia. Uh, thick layers of hot ash and debris are digging through them today. More than a dozen people are dead and thousands displaced in the East Java province of Indonesia, even as the volcano continues to erupt. Mount Simaru, one of India's most active volcanoes, erupted Saturday, shooting smoldering hot ash and volcanic gas into the air that turned the sky dark over villages in the Lumayang district. Fifteen people died, 27 others missing, according to the command post for emergency response. Nearly 3,000 houses and 38 schools have been damaged by the debris. The eruption also destroyed a bridge that connects the city with the neighboring Melang district, blocking access from the main road and hurting rescue efforts. How do climate derangement sufferers handle this? That's causing more trouble than your little Prius will cause if you live to be 5 million years old. (laughs) Yeah. Just amazing. What was the big one in the 1800s that literally caused, I said literally, uh, caused winter for 10 years in a lot of places uh, that doesn't have it? I don't remember, but it was a big, big volcano. You can get Uh, a big volcano. Uh, this worked out yeah, well. Krakow. It was Krakow. Krakow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Kenny. This were <laughs> This worked out well. A Massachusetts man recovering from open-heart surgery won a $1 million lottery prize off a scratch-off ticket that was given to him in a get-well card by a friend of his. Oh, wow. how PO'd is the friend. Yeah. The friend. That's That was oh, my should have gotten the too. dummy ticket. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Alexander McLeish received three scratch-off tickets and a get-well card from his buddy earlier this month, according to a news release from the Massachusetts State Lottery Commission. As he scratched off the first three letters on the crossword lottery ticket, his first glimpse of good luck was revealing his initials. A, W, and M. As he continued matching letters to words on the lottery ticket for a game called 5,100,000 times, he revealed the word heart on the bottom row of the puzzle. He ended up winning the second top prize of the game, $1 million. The top prize, obviously, from the name is $5 million. McLeish claimed his $1 million prize and chose the cash option. Before taxes, he received a one-time payment of $650,000. No word on if the friend will get any of the winnings. Now, I like to give lottery tickets uh, scratch-offs for gifts, too, but I always check them before I give them to them. Then you give them to them. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, uh, got your lottery ticket. You didn't win, though, but here it is. Have you guys ever seen the video of whether it's Grandpa, Dad, whoever, opening up the gift of the fake lottery tickets? No. Oh, no. It's the most cruel thing ever oh. because these poor bastards... I just won a million dollars, and they don't have. Um, Dad, it's a fake oh, lottery ticket. It's mean. awful. I feel oh, so bad for because they start crying. They think, "Oh, everything's finally gonna be okay." <laughs> That's like the opening scenes of that Reno 911 episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Where they all think they are. Yes, oh, suck yeah. it! He's got the glowing teeth. <laughs> Oh. Turns out they uh, all. Yeah. What did I see? Is that coming back? Or are they making a movie? What, what's the deal? Uh, they a do. Movie, they it? do short little seven-minute, twelve-minute episodes oh, oh, now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that show was brilliant. Some uh, uh, pop music. I don't really pay any attention to pop music anymore. I confess, but we've broken a record apparently. Uh, Taylor Swift. I don't know if you guys followed this in the past, but. Uh, she broke away from her producer and recut all her songs because he was getting all the money Scooter from her. Scooter Braun, right? Yep, exactly. Scooter yeah. Braun. Well, one of the songs she redid all too well is over 10 minutes long. Right. I thought it was and more it, closer to, yeah, go ahead. It, it hit number one. Yeah. So that it now becomes the longest son to, uh, song to ever hit number one. Before this, the longest song ever to hit number one. Any guesses? Uh, it's the Whippin' Post Band. Uh, that was never uh, a single. Iron that Butterfly. Was, was never a single. That was never a single in the long run. Well, you don't have to be so uh, condescending. <laughs> Jeez. Why don't you just Con- tell us? Condescending, yeah. Kenny, that's when you talk down to people. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the longest was American Pie by Don McClain. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. sure. That's Eight. fascinating. Eight minutes and thirty-seven <laughs> seconds. Well, now here's here's the uh, kick to the story. Oh, as you'll there's see. a kick to it. All right, there is. Uh, she sent Taylor Swift uh, sent Don some flowers oh, because that's she, fascinating she, too. she broke she broke his record. Oh boy! And McLean sent her an Instagram post thanking her, calling her a class act. Swift answered by saying, "I'll never forget. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Your music's been important to me. Sending one, sending love. One writer of long songs." to another. Oh, so God. there you go. Wasn't oh that a good story? That's a hell of a story. <laughs> Say, uh, Groundhopper's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. <laughs> yeah. That's become the go-to place for GLers, and I was thinking, for those who haven't made their initial run there yet, can can you think of the anticipation that would be involved? The music died. Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats. Get the brats there. How many different flavors of brats? 139. Wow. But you got to note that on your calendar that you're making your first run. Wrong song. So you would celebrate this on an annual basis? I think so. Okay. And uh, there's two stores. The original is on uh, Highway 61, just north of downtown Hugo, and the newest location is on Highway 97, just east of Interstate 35. They all have the meatloafs, the brats, mm-hmm. the Wagyu steaks and burgers, the soup meats, the uh, ham, the bacon, the seasonings, deluxe potato salad. There would be nothing better tonight than a meatloaf and potato salad. I'll say. Doesn't that sound good? And watch some football. Are you going to issue a warning? Tonight's no. a, actually a decent game it to, will be a to, decent. to yeah, have some brats be, around, uh, Buffalo and uh, New England. Mm-hmm. I looked yep. with disappointment. No foul weather is anticipated in Buffalo. That disappoints me. Well, that's where Denny told us the Calcutta Clipper get the Cal- Clipper yeah. come through there. But enjoy that game. Uh, maybe you're having an outdoor fire. It's, it's cold, but mm-hmm. so what? You get a fire and you cook the grills. and uh, No, you don't cook the grills. No, you, <laughs> you cook the money. Out, you cook them up. You take wow. a brat. And you put it on the grill, but so it's got to be. It's got to be from Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats. The levee, but the levee was dry. Yeah, well, I'll st- this guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. Well, I'm going to keep this brief, but Howard Claris told us last week that his wife found money at the gas station. I cannot believe the response in email we've got to this story. 
And now Mrs. Claris is weighing in. <laughs> okay. Maria. <laughs> and uh, she writes, I'm amused that after countless times I've said, harumph, harumph, I need to write Joe an email. I'm finally taking to my keyboard to set the record state. I'll try to keep this brief. Uh, when I exited the vehicle, I looked at the ground and my surroundings, as I always do. I'm a good GL girl, and I keep tabs on what's happening around me. Though it is possible I did not see the cash lying on the ground, I believe that is unlikely. After using the keypad and setting the fuel pump in the tank, I turned around to put away my credit card in the vehicle. At this time, I then turned back to the pump to then clean the windshield, which I never completed, and noticed the pile of bills. In regards to the much-discussed cash in its appearance, the money was fresh, folded in half, not bound, and looked as if it had been dropped from a distance, as about half the bills were still remaining together and a few strays were lying across the top and side of the pile. As there was a breeze, I picked it up to keep it from blowing away. I did not want to disturb the pile, as there was another patron on the other side of the pump. I assumed it was his, since I had just noticed it, and it looked fresh. Being somewhat savvy, I asked the gentleman next door if he happened to have dropped any money, and he said no. <clears throat> yes, boys, I'm sure he regretted that a moment later. I then showed him the stack of $100 bills, and we both tossed around the ideas for a moment. He surmised that someone may have had the money in a pocket and perhaps set it on top of the pump without thinking, then forgot to take it. Another theory is that someone may have pulled gloves or something else out of a pocket, and the money fell unnoticed. Okay, I had to make a decision. I gave a quick count of the bills. It was $900 to $1,000. I felt guilty even rifling through what I believed to be someone else's cash, uh, but I can't say with certainty there were 9 to 10 $100 bills. Though, as Howard said, I did have a nanosecond of thank you, Jesus, that was quickly replaced by a stronger image of some poor schlub who just sold a treasured piece to buy Christmas gifts or food. And then she said uh, that she just took back to the uh, convenience store and explained the situation. And she said, I hope this has shed some light on the story. I followed up and posted on the Nextdoor app with vague information about the found cash. And although no one has claimed it, I have been amazed at how many people have commented on my honesty. I'm actually a little saddened as I don't think my action should be uh, unusual. It is an engaging ethical discussion for the young. Our kids are in their late teens, and we've had interesting discussions. One kid said, I absolutely would have done, a, done the same. The other was not so sure. All right. All right. Uh, on a side note, on a ray of hope, all, one of our kids just finished acting in the Centennial High School Circle Pines production of It's a Wonderful Life. All references to God, Jesus, Mary, angels praying in heaven were left intact. Oh. I could hardly believe it and was thrilled that we live in a district where there was seemingly no pushback on this choice, nor complaints from those who love to complain about these things. Merry Christmas to you and the boys, and thanks for keeping me awake on my long drives. Maria Claris, and she uh, educates me on how to pronounce the name I've been mispronouncing all this time. It's Claris. All right, thank you. Uh, and that money uh, apparently remains unclaimed. Or it's already been spent by the, the kids in the <laughs> convenience store. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what happened. Now, only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalonga, it's un from the Traveling Lymans. It's another really disappointing day in Minnesota history. <laughs> Abolitionist, feminist, and newspaper publisher Jane Gray Swisshelm was born near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She would move to Minnesota in 1857 and establish the St. Cloud Visitor and later the St. Cloud, Cloud Democrat. During the Civil War, she would move to Washington, D.C. and become a nurse. She died in 1884. That's it for today. That's it. That's Jane it? Gray Swisshelm. 
Started huh. a newspaper in St. Cloud. There you go. Big deal. Uh, by the way, uh, I ju- you just reminded me, so I just retweeted this photo. Michael Price is tweeting a GL, a picture of a GL hat all the way from Mumbai, India. Oh, I think I have a note from him. Oh. Uh, is this it? Which I thought was kind of neat. Did we talk about the Beatles at all on the air, or was that all off all the air? Off that the was air. all off the air, Kenny. Uh, Michael Price, yeah, he uh, he's uh, envious of the Tom Lyman reports, and he wishes to do the same for Mumbai, India. I think he's the fellow over there for a wedding, right? Okay. And he's oh, been yeah, yeah, he's been right. featuring his hat, and he's been uh, he's been writing us for Mumbai, India. Well, Michael Price. Wouldn't that just mean well, we'd have pick a new spot? I'd like to hear from Emmaville, Minnesota, on a daily <laughs> basis. Yeah. Population three. Thank you, GLers. Emmaville. Never heard nope. of that one before. It's, uh, north of Park Rapids. Oh, okay. Hey, speaking of uh, GLers, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on the old Garage Logic YouTube page and join the thousands of GLers that have already done so? And you can always also see us, excuse me, on all of our social media channels, the Facebook, Twitter, Insta, all of that available to you on social media. And don't forget to download that PodMN app for your smart device where you have the chance to win daily prizes just by listening to Garage Logic. Occasionally, Joe tweets, and they're really uh, real gems like, uh, this Detroit team looks like they're playing Detroit. Uh, other things like that. <laughs> Care to comment, Mayor? No, I was like watching Detroit play Detroit. There you go, right there. <laughs> Three million likes. <laughs> and that just happened to this guy. And this and guy. This guy. This guy. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.